0: Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so glad that you are here with us this weekend. Uh, Before we jump into a brand new teaching series, I do want to mention to you the version. Uh, If you have not yet discovered this app, it is a great resource. It's uh, got about every translation of the Bible you could imagine, all kinds of reading plans. You can search for any topic that is of interest to you. And you'll have multiple ways that you can approach that topic, video series. And uh, last but not least, in the lower right hand corner, you can click on the drop down menu, open events, search for Arlington FM, and there you'll find a complete set of notes for today's message. Well, uh, I do want to introduce to you uh, a brand new two part mini series. And uh, I believe it's one that can change your uh, immediate experience uh, of god and the plan that he has for your life it can change your family your relationships uh, how you neighbor Uh, it's wonderfully doable it's practical and it's inspirational and uh, this series is called just do this just do this and uh, i'll ask you a question Uh, anybody listening to this message uh, ever do the wrong thing But you did it really well Uh, anyone besides me and maybe some of you are thinking well you just summed up my life Uh, you did the wrong thing but darn if you didn't do it really well i I have the words of my wife ringing in my ears i i just ask you to do this you know just uh don't overcook the meat Uh, just water the plants Uh, just preheat the oven Uh, and i would say well honey i did this It doesn't matter. Uh, I just earned myself a reservation in the doghouse. I was thinking of one of my very first graduate school projects. I was in a class, uh, a historical survey class, and uh, our first assignment was to do a pre review of a book. That's a fancy word for book review. And uh, I wanted to ace this, and so I really uh, put my uh, rigorous uh, research capabilities into it. Uh, really let my academic prowess uh, stand out, Uh, was happy with what I turned in. And lo and behold, when I got that uh, impressive document back, it said uh, on the front page, incomplete. And uh, then underneath it was a note, great report, wrong book. Somehow I had got the wrong title in mind. And I did a really great job on that report, but I did the wrong thing. And you know, a a lot of uh, faith is done uh, in that way. In fact, before Jesus left his followers, uh, he was very clear. He, he said, essentially, just do this, and you'll do well. Here's what he said as he was about to uh, go to the cross, be raised from the dead, return to the Father, pour out his Spirit upon his followers, equipping them to just do this. He says in John 13, a new command I give you, love, love, one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Uh, Well, that couldn't be more clear, could it? Just do this. And over the next two weeks, uh, as I said, we're going to get really practical, and we're going to look at two ways we can do what Jesus said for us to do. The first one is watch your words. And then the second message uh, that we'll look at is stop holding grudges. Now, if you want to look at the complete series uh, that these uh, excerpts come from, uh, you can go to northpoint.org and uh, just look at the teaching series, One Another. Uh, But for right now, uh, enjoy this clip, watch your words.
1: Two things are true of our culture today. Number one, we are using and consuming more words than ever before, than ever before, by a lot. Check out some of these statistics. It's estimated that in 2020, on average, people across the world, globe the globe, sent on average 306 billion emails, 4.5 trillion text messages, 500 million tweets, and watched 525 million hours of YouTube per day. Yeah, per day in 2020 around the globe. In fact, it's estimated that in 2020, humans created almost 2.5 quintillion bytes of data. That's 2.5 times 10 to the 18 per day. The same article that I found this statistic in, they said, they estimate that um, it's been growing exponentially every single year for many years. That in fact, you could take any year since the birth of social media. And in that year, humans communicated more words than all the previous years of human history combined. We're using more words than ever before. And number two, we're thinking less about them than ever before. You already know that's true. We're thinking less about them than ever before. When words were harder to communicate and the process took longer and the interaction was more personal, we spent a little more time formulating them. Like we spent more time thinking about them. I mean, just think about the difference between writing a letter and sending a text message or the difference between a face-to-face conversation and the Facebook comment section, right? Uh, And it's nobody's fault, it's inevitable. It's just natural when our society and our culture is this way we can send words out into the world with very little effort and almost no direct accountability and feedback. And it's happening all the time, every single day. And so we don't feel the weight of our words like we used to, which is why, by the way, you and I both have said things in an email that we would not have said face-to-face. It's why we, uh, you have seen people talk to each other on social media, particularly in the comment section or on news networks in ways you couldn't imagine them doing if they were actually sitting in a living room together. We're using more words than ever before, and we're thinking less about them than ever before. To which you might be responding or thinking, sitting there, "Okay, Jamie. I mean, that's interesting, but so what? You know, like what? I don't see the what's the problem with that? That's fascinating, but not necessarily concerning. Uh, why are you spending a whole Sunday talking about our words? Well, here's why. Because this is true right here: the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. That's King Solomon. King Solomon of Israel was considered to be the wisest man to have ever lived because God, according to the scriptures, had granted him extraordinary wisdom. And he recorded his insights about the world in Proverbs that he wrote for his children. And I believe this observation is so poignant. He's saying the tongue, metaphorically talking about our words, the tongue has a power of life and death. In other words, children, hey, don't forget, words don't just have content. Words have power. They don't just have content. Words have power. Your words have power. For isn't it true that you can speak and in a moment fill someone's heart or crush it? Isn't it true that you can speak and in just a few sentences, bolster someone with confidence or cripple them with insecurity? Isn't it true that you can speak and with mere words, you can give someone an incredible sense of worth and value or plant in them shame and worthlessness? Isn't it true that with your words, with just words, you can draw someone close or push them away? You can bestow dignity or bestow degradation. You can surround somebody in support or you can isolate them with opposition. Yeah, that's true. Why? Why? because your words have the power of life and death. And that's not random, by the way. Just a theological side note, because I'm a Bible nerd. Uh, Our words have power because God's words have power. In fact, you remember the creation account in Genesis chapter one? You remember what happens when God speaks? Yeah, creation, light, land, creatures. Or hey, do you remember in John chapter one, when the apostle John says that the word of God became flesh and walked among us. And do you remember what happened when Jesus walked among us? Yeah, miracles, healings, revelations, supernatural salvation. The God's word, God's word has power. Like when God speaks, existence bends around him and you are made in his image. So when you speak, it has power, which is why, which is why many of our best moments and most cherished memories are words. Like when you or somebody else spoke words of love or commitment or affirmation or belief. And it's why many of our biggest regrets and our deepest wounds are words like when you or somebody else spoke in anger or spoken harshness or spoken carelessness. Because though our words may not have power to create galaxies, our words do have power to create all kinds of wonderful and terrible things in those to whom we speak. And that's why for most of us in the room, you may not be able to remember what somebody said to you five minutes, what you said to somebody five minutes ago, but you can remember what someone said to you five years ago. Isn't that Right? because what they said had such life giving or life taking power that it is still with you to this day. And Solomon is saying, your words have the power of life and death. And then he gives us this warning. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And my friends, we love the tongue more than any culture of any generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. We are using more words than ever before and we are thinking less about them than ever before. And I humbly believe that we urgently need to tune in because we have allowed ourselves to develop a dangerous habit. A habit that has the potential to undermine our ability to one another well, the way we want one another and consequently has the potential to undermine our ability as a church to be known for what we're supposed to be known for. And it's this habit right here. Several years ago, the Harvard Business Review published an article that reported on several different studies that people had done about our words. Uh, Several different groups, they had studied the ratio of our positive words to our negative words. Or to quote Solomon, the ratio of our life-giving words to our life taking words. And they were looking for a correlation between that ratio and the health and the productivity of our work and our personal relationships. And this subject matter became a fad for a minute. And it spawned a whole bunch of studies and articles, and you can find those on Google. But the results are fascinating. One psychologist, John Gottman, he famously studied a sample of marriages and he tracked their ratio of positive words to negative words. And he determined that there was a strong correlation between the ratio of a couple and the success of their marriage. And he determined that the ideal ratio, and he published this, this a huge book you can read, it's hard to get through, but it's really good stuff. Um, he determined that the ideal ratio for a successful marriage was five positive words for every one negative word. Five life-giving words to every one life taking work. And this is crazy. He predicted with 94% accuracy, whether a marriage would stay together or not solely based on this ratio. Then another group came along and they studied workplace teams, tracked their ratios as well. And they also concluded that there was a strong correlation between the ratio on a team and the success of the team. And they published that the most successful work teams had in common on average, a ratio of about 5 Positive words to one negative word. I believe technically the average was 5.67. Then child specialists jumped into the mix and started looking at it from a parenting perspective. And they you know, wrote articles and stuff that you can find. And they said, you know what? Gottman nailed it. If you wanted to pick a ratio that was gonna maximize a child's motivation and self-esteem and their growth, it's not just three to one. It's not just four to one. No, it is five to one. You gotta have the one. Like the one is massively important. You gotta have correction and discipline and coaching and boundaries and all that. Absolutely. But a child needs to grow up in a climate of life giving words. And and by the way, they weren't making a moral point. None of them were like, you ought to do this. There there was no faith element or religious element in it whatsoever. They were just simply observing that we function best in this environment. That if if, if you were to pick a ratio fine-tuned for human growth and productivity, evidently it's this right here. Five life-giving words for every one life-taking word. And that's fascinating. Or at least I found it fascinating. I mean, it's helpful to know. But you wanna know what the gut punch for me was? Five to one, this is the ideal. These are the highest performing teams. These are the best marriages. You wanna know what most of us actually do? How most of us actually speak? Well, according to the data, and I had to look into this and do a little math myself because it wasn't the point of the article, but from what I can tell, most of us end up living in this zone right here. One positive word for every three negative words. This is average. This is the majority. Most of us end up in the zone of a one to three negative ratio. Five to one is ideal. We get the best out of people and the best for them here. But the data indicates that most of us have developed a habit of something quite different. And I know this sounds kind of bad, but when I saw that, I was kind of relieved. Made me feel a little better. Uh, Because five to one, I mean, that's neat. And congratulations to those marriages and those work teams. But that is not what my last year has looked like, just being honest with you. Like, it's not what my home has sounded like. That's not how I parented through the pandemic, you know? Just just isn't. In fact, a lot of days, maybe even most days, it felt just like this right here. Some days, you know, felt more like that. Like, this isn't what it felt like when I picked up my phone, you know, and opened social media or turned on the news, you know? You open Twitter and it's like somebody backs a dump truck up to it, (laughs) you open the next door and they're like, howdy neighbor, let's talk about your dog. We're gonna get to your trash cans. That's a different post. You're gonna love the comments. Uh, (laughs) Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, But evidently, evidently most of us live with a habit of and in a climate of a one to three negative ratio. And this data came out well before, way before the pandemic, well before we all stayed home and stacked family and work on top of each other, and then added a health crisis and a racial crisis and a election and financial uncertainty on top, just to name a few. And by all indications, the ratio got even worse. In fact, just show of hands, we can participate here. Uh, who in the room has noticed an uptick or even a surge in life-taking words in the past year of, of, of your life, looking out at our culture? Anybody notice that? Yeah, a ton of hands in the room. We spent the last year kind of getting a crash course in talking to one another with life-taking words. This kind of ratio, one to three, or perhaps even worse, has in some respects been normalized. And my friends, That's a problem. That's a problem. We have normalized the way of talking to each other that is going to keep us all from thriving. We've normalized the way of speaking to one another that is going to keep us mediocre in our marriages, going to keep us mediocre in our work teams, going to keep us mediocre in our friendships, a ratio that's going to ensure that we have more insecurity than confidence, more hurt than healing, uh, more regret than fond memories, and a more divided than unified community. And that's That's a problem. And church, it's a double big problem for us, an extra big problem for us. And here's why. Because it is impossible, not not just difficult, it is impossible to love one another as Jesus has loved us while talking like this. And we are never gonna be known for what we're supposed to be known for as long as we just blend in and go with the flow. Maybe we need to wake up and shake off the slumber of isolation, warm up some muscles maybe we haven't used in a minute and forge a different path. And in light of that, I would like to encourage us all, me included, I would like to encourage us to consider and put into practice starting today an approach to our words given to us by the apostle Paul. Whether you are religious or not, if you will start doing what I'm about to read to you, it will instantly make your life and your relationships and our community better. If you are a Christian, chances are you have heard these words before. But if you're anything like me, perhaps you dismiss them as ideal, as pie in the sky, as yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds nice and sounds real Jesusy, but that's just not practical. And if that's the case, I'd love to invite you today to make it Practical. I'd love to invite you today to feel called to this verse like never before, to start putting it into practice as if life and death actually are at stake because they in fact are. And it's found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians when he says, and he writes these words, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is part one of three, of how I'd like to encourage us to be famous for loving one another, to be known as those Jesus people who take his command seriously. I would love for us to become known by this verse, to be different from culture because we ruthlessly practice this verse, to be delightfully distinct from the trends because we normalize this verse wherever we happen to be. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's unpack that verse a little bit more uh, and and, kind of examine some of the parts. First, for starters, in general, Paul is addressing the quality of the talk that comes out of your mouth and my mouth. And there's two kinds of talk that he identifies. The first is this, unwholesome talk. That word unwholesome isn't just like, you know, a, a bad word here or there or whatever. What That word literally in the Greek, it means decaying or putrefied. These are dead words, dead talk. Don't let dead talk come out of your mouth. And he contrasts dead talk with words that fall into this category, building others up. That's a construction word. It's like you're building up. You're building up somebody's life, hopes, dreams, future, self-esteem, confidence, whatever. And oddly enough, what you see in this verse is that Paul is talking about your personal ratio. He's talking about your personal ratio of life giving words that build up and life taking words that are dead words. And he says, don't let the unwholesome talk come out. And I love how real that is. Like, this isn't just church talk, like just just love everyone and and just never let a negative word even come into your mind. Like, no, Paul is saying unwholesome words are absolutely gonna come. You're gonna think them, you're gonna feel them, you're gonna compose them, and you're gonna wanna say them. And they're gonna be lined up like right here, ready to rock and roll. They're gonna be in your throat going, say me, say me. Save me, save me, save me, type me, type me, type me, post it, post it, you know? And you got to decide, no, I'm not going to let him out. I'm not going to let him out. Not today, not here, not to him, not to her, not to them. I'm not going to let dead words. I'm not going to let life taking words come out of my mouth. I'm going to hold them in. So that's one half of this. And, but there's the other half. And the other half is that instead, what is going to make it out? What is going to get pushed out? What's going to make it past the security checkpoint, if you will, are only words that fall into this category, the building others up. Well, those words you're actively going to push out. Because isn't it true that just as there are times where we need to hold words in, you know, there are equally times when we need to actively push them out. We need to like intentionally say life-giving words rather than staying silent. That's the idea here that you're going to, hold in life-taking words and you're going to push out life-giving words. And if you start doing that, at first, there are some times where it's going to feel unnatural. And here's why, I mean, he says it, because it's going to, it means that we're going to have to change completely the way that we think about our words. It means that you and I are going to have to start speaking according to their needs. That's not what I naturally do all the time. Most of the time when we speak, we're thinking about whose needs? Yeah, my needs. Thinking about what I wanna say, what my opinion is, and did they laugh at me, and was it was I heard, and uh, what I believe, and what point I wanna make, and how offended I am. You know, we're always thinking about our needs, but this verse requires you and I to embrace the truth that our gift of speaking, our power of speaking that we have from God has not been given to us for our needs, It's been given to us for their needs. And as long as you and I, if you and I are only thinking about our needs, when we're talking to, when I'm talking to my kids or I'm talking to my wife or I'm talking to my coworkers or my neighbors or my friends or social media, God through Paul is saying, "Ah, you are not ready or qualified to speak in this moment. You need to do less talking and more thinking because this command requires you to think more about your audience than about yourself that it may benefit those who listen. Here's another way that this is gonna feel unnatural at first, or at least at least for me, because y'all, I don't always wanna benefit those who are listening. Sometimes the whole point of my words is to not benefit those who are listening. And God through Paul is saying, if that's the case, then you are not ready or qualified to speak in this moment. You need to do less talking and you need to do more praying because if you're gonna speak like your heavenly father speaks, you gotta be in the business of benefiting those who listen. Isn't that good? And that's Paul's point. His point is that you have a ratio right now. Your family, your friends, the people on your social media could probably give you an accurate estimate of what your ratio is, but you have a ratio. And this one to three is what's going to happen naturally, without intervention, without trying or without intervening. You and I, um, yeah, personality dependent, sure. Situationally dependent, sure. Maturity and age all impacts this. But in general, without intervention, you and I are going to live somewhere in the zone of one life-taking word to, I mean, life-giving word to three life-taking words. And the Apostle Paul is simply saying, "You got to intervene. You got to intervene." You got to have a self-imposed filter on the words that come out of your mouth. You got to start holding in the life-taking words and you got to start pushing out the life uh, you got to yeah, and start pushing out the life-giving words so that you can begin to change your ratio. You got to start changing your ratio cuz work doesn't have to look like this. Home doesn't have to look like this. Your friend group doesn't have to look like this. Your marriage doesn't have to look like this. Your neighborhood doesn't have to look like this. Your social media account doesn't have to look like this. Our culture doesn't have to look like this. It shouldn't look like this. None of us want it to look like this. This isn't the best for anybody and it doesn't bring the best out of anybody. And if you're a Jesus follower, it can't look like this. Oh no, there's just too much at stake. This is not who we are. Why? Because it's not who he is. You know this, this isn't how the savior who loves you has talked to you. Jesus has spoken grace into your life. Jesus has spoken encouragement into your life. He's spoken freedom into your life. He's spoken hope into your life. He's spoken restoration into your life. He's spoken a future into your life. Jesus has spoken resurrection life into your life. And that's exactly what he wants to speak into the lives of every single person you know. And the Apostle Paul is urging us you got to change your ratio, church. You got to change your ratio. You got to have a countercultural filter over your mouth so that you can create a countercultural result in your life and in the lives of others and get busy being famous for loving one another as Jesus has loved you. Your words, my words, your words have the power of life and death.
0: Well, I hope that uh, you really keyed in uh, to that great uh, message to us, that life and death really are in the power of our words. I want to invite you to join me in a prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you. Uh, for the, uh, the reminder that you have entrusted to us this incredible gift, this gift of uh, language in words that we choose. And Lord, as your word says, life and death are indeed in the power of our tongues. And uh, we do live in a culture where in many ways our words have gotten away from us. And Lord, we've departed in, in many ways from this one thing that you've told us to do. Uh, to love one another. And uh, thank you for the reminder that we can do that with our words, Lord. And and I pray that miraculously right now, uh, you would bring uh, into our hearts, into our minds, because you said uh, we speak out of the abundance of our hearts. And that, Lord, you would deposit uh, a new language in us. And it would be one that would be completely about love and hope and, and faith Enjoy joy, and the promise that you have uh, infused our lives with, and that we get to now uh, represent you. We get to love one another by the words that we speak, and I pray if, uh, maybe as you're hearing this message, you've been damaged by someone's words. Uh, you've been held back by someone's words. Uh, there's a sense of hopelessness that someone has spoken into you, and uh, right now I would speak a, a different word to you. Uh, by the Spirit of God, uh, he would speak hope for your future. He would speak forgiveness for your past. He would speak uh, his presence for your loneliness. He would speak his power for your inability. And we just thank you, God. Uh, your word says that you rejoice over us, singing songs of deliverance. And Lord, we would just welcome uh, all that you want to do in, in changing the way that we speak to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.